You're listening to I Heard It on the 806, a podcast by John Bowers. When John arrived in prison, he met a man named Gordon, who had recently been transferred from Leavenworth Penitentiary in Kansas to their hospital prison in Minnesota. Gordon had done many terrible things when he was younger, which led to him receiving a double lifetime prison sentence. He had also developed the belief that God could never forgive him for all of the horrific things he had done. Here's John telling the story about how God brought his forgiveness and healing to a man who believed himself to be unforgivable. This fellow we're gonna call Gordon was a loner. And when I had arrived in prison, he was always by himself on crutches or in a wheelchair. Somebody always had to push him or he was on a, in crutches and he, and he could not maneuver his crutches well at all. But he was a loner, he was always alone. And one day during the Bible study on Thursday afternoon, I walked in and I saw Gordon in his wheelchair. Someone had pushed him to the Bible study sitting in the very back. So I carried on that day about the power of God's spirit to forgive. And when it was over, one of the guys that wheeled him in said, hey, uh, Gordon wants to see you. So I went back over to where Gordon was sitting. And I said, uh, yeah, he says, well, my name is, is Gordon and I'd like to talk with you, but it's going to take me a while. I says, okay, what do you want to do? He says, can we go out on the, the rec yard and spend at least an hour together? I said, well, of course. So when the bell sounded and the doors were unlocked and we were able to maneuver, we went out under a oak tree and sat on a bench and in the shade. And he says, well, here's what I've got. I listened to your teaching. I listened about how Jesus can forgive a sinner, even like me, but I have to be honest with you and tell you, I don't believe it because if you knew what I did, you would tell me it would be impossible for anybody to forgive me. Once you hear my story, if you would be open to hear my story, I doubt if Jesus would ever agree. and I doubt if you would ever believe that I could be forgiven. I said, well, we've got the time, so let's go for it. He said, when I was 17 years old, I wanted to commit suicide, but I was a chicken. I wanted so bad to end my life, and I thought of several ways to do it, but I was afraid. And here I wanted to commit suicide, but I was afraid to commit suicide. So I decided to do it the easy way, in my opinion, and that was to take a fake revolver that was just a toy, walk into the bank and hold it up, hoping that I would be shot. I walked out wasn't shot, had $2,200 with me, got in my car, my old green pickup, and drove off. And I thought to myself, that can't be, this can't be this easy. So I waited a couple of weeks, and this time I took a real gun. Thought maybe, maybe, that will, maybe that'll help. Took a real gun, went to another bank, held it up, and this time, sure enough, the alarms went off, and this is where I'm gonna end my life. One guard came around the corner and I shot him, uh, he died. A teller was screaming. I shot her and she died. And I escaped and left and had uh, around the same amount of money as the first time. I did that five times. And, and the last four times that I robbed a bank, people lost their lives. Innocent citizens lost their lives. And I was not shot, let alone arrested. Of course, I didn't want to get arrested and go to jail, but I, I wanted to be killed. So I decided, well, Man, I'm going to follow this Brinks truck that I've been watching 
come by this one bank every Friday. And I'm going to kind of schedule myself to see what kind of a routine they have. So I went and got some nitroglycerin and I got a fuse that I thought was a 20 minute fuse and cut it in half because I didn't want to waste 20 minutes because that would be longer than what the bankers would be spending time inside the bank. So I cut it in half thinking to myself it was a 15 minute fuse. Then I decided to maybe cut it again because I, I wanted to make sure I blew up the Brinks truck and took the money. And in blowing it up, I'd probably blow myself up or RB shot and that would end my life. So I blew the truck up. The door and everything blew open. The truck was blown apart. Windows blocks away were blown out. I had too much nitroglycerin. I made too big a bomb and it was too short a fuse. And before I could get away back to my pickup that I was going to hide under, I watched the pickup go up in the air maybe two or three feet up in the air, came down, bounced, dust came out from under the pickup. And I was amazed how dirty the pickup was, I thought. But there was paper material that I couldn't imagine. And there were sacks. And I just started throwing sacks in the back of my pickup and drove off with a fortune. I drove off with a fortune. My pickup started. I drove off in the chaos of people wounded, killed. It was mass murder, mass confusion, it was awful. It was terrible. And I got back to my place, put the pickup in the old garage and realized, wow, I, I've got to start putting this money away. So I took all the money that I had confiscated through the, the Brinks truck, which was the mother load, and the money that I had taken in cash out of, from the tellers. And I put it in three different lockers in the airport. And I had the keys to three different lockers. And I decided, well, I'll try it one more time. Now, I'm not going to tell you how much money was on that Brinks truck that he got, but there was some significant, significant amounts of money in those bags. As he decided, I'll try it one more time. I'll rob the bank one more time. This time he got caught. And when he was 17 years old, he was found guilty of murder, bank robbery, attempted murder, all kinds of things you could think of, and was put away with two life sentence in Leavenworth, Kansas. So he goes to the prison angry because he'd done all these terrible things and still is alive. Even doing all these terrible things, he couldn't kill himself. So year after year passed, and he continued to grow angrier and angrier. Now, when Gordon went into Leavenworth, he was 17 years old. When I met him there in Minnesota, Rochester, Minnesota prison, he was 65 years old. So you can do the math. He spent his adult years behind bars, and much of that was in solitary confinement. So he said, see, Pastor? how ugly my life is, how terrible my life has been. But he says, I have to tell you something. He said that I was in my cell, and normally I always was by myself, but this one day they brought in another inmate and put him in my cell, and that he started reading uh, the book of Matthew. And, he, and the more he read it, the angrier I got. And I told him I was going to kill him. They couldn't punish me any more than what they were already doing. And one of the, the days... It was about two weeks that he continued to read on a regular basis, out loud. And one day, as I was so angry, I was going to club him to death with my bare fists. 
the Spirit of God came upon me and said, Gordon, I love you. I care for you. I want you to stop. And love came into my heart. And from that day to this day, and that was approximately uh, five years ago, so all of this had happened, all these years that anger had built up. And five years before I met him, he said, the love of God came upon me and and I, I can't accept it. I just can't accept it. I can't believe it. He said, so here I am. Here I am, broken, wounded. I says, well, why are you in Rochester? He says, because it's a medical prison that you're fully aware of. And I have a tumor between my big toe and my next toe they're going to operate on. And because it's, it's so huge, it's so large, that they sent me here to this prison because they have the best surgeons here to operate on, on such a need. So he said, I've told you my story, and there was more that I won't throw into it because of the gory details. But I sat there on that bench, and I looked at him, and I said, no, the Word of God says that Gordon Jesus loves you, just like he told you through that inmate that he sent that was reading the book of Matthew. And yes, he'll forgive you, so give me your hand. So Gordon reached across the, the table, gave me his hands, and he prayed the sinner's prayer and asked Jesus into his heart. That night, everything was normal as usual. Gordon was by himself down at the end of the hallway, normally sitting in a plastic chair by himself. He never really communicated. He never really associated with the rest of the prisoners in the rec room. He read a lot, but remember, he was only there for one reason, to get his operation and go back to Leavenworth. The next morning I got up, because I had to get up at 6 in the morning to get my detail crew working, polishing the floors, doing windows, polishing the brass. I looked down the hallway, and here comes Gordon, walking. Now, he wasn't walking very good. He was His knees were bent in, bowed in, and kept yelling at me, Pastor John, Pastor John, look at this, look at this. So I, I met him about halfway, and we sat in two plastic chairs, and I said, Gordon, what happened to you? He said, well, remember last night? Well, that night, before we went to bed, he showed up, at a table that I was playing cards at. And we had the same guys that would play cards. And so he came in and one guy that night was missing. And so I said, hey, Gordon, sit down here and fill in that, that chair. We'll play cards. We, we, we're playing cards. And that night, prior to the time where we had lights out, God spoke to me and he says, I want to heal his foot right now. Now there were 40, 45 guys in the rec room. And so I thought, okay, here goes. I says, Gordon, Jesus has just revealed to me he wants to heal your foot. And Gordon looked at me and he says, Pastor Bowers, that's not going to happen. I said, if you believe it will, it's going to happen. But I said, he told me to lay hands on your foot. Well, man, oh man, the cat calls the, the terrible return, bad language that I was receiving from those 40-some prisoners, laughing, joking. And I just had to tune it out and say, give me your foot. Now, his foot had no shoe on. He just had a sock because of the, the huge tumor and it was so painful. He laid his foot in my lap and I had my cellmate lay hands with me on him. And we just prayed that simple prayer. Jesus, would you just touch Gordon's tumor right now? Heal this tumor. Tumor, you go down in the name of Jesus. I bind you in Jesus' name. Amen. Gordon said, amen. And of course, there was pandemonium laughter breaking out throughout the rec room. Guys in the hallway were laughing. And one guy I'll never forget was yelling, hey, guys, echoing up and down the, the corridor. Hey, guys, Pastor Bowers is a healer, a faith healer. 
making fun. And of course, there was a lot of other echoes behind that of laughing and joking and making fun of the fact. That morning when I got up and saw Gordon coming down the, the hallway, bowed knees, and we sat down in those two plastic chairs. I said, okay, what in the world happened? He said, well, last night, I can't sleep through the night because of the pain. Last night, I woke up to go to the bathroom, and I startled myself by thinking, wait a minute, I don't have pain. So he said, I jumped out of bed. I threw myself out of bed and turned my nightlight on and took my sock off. And John, look, and he took his sock off laid his foot in my lap, and people, the tumor was gone. There was no bulge between his big toe and his next toe. It was gone. Now, what was so beautiful about this testimony is that there at the medical center in Rochester, Minnesota, they have it all documented. His toe was to be operated on. The tumor, there was x-rays of the tumor, and then... He's sitting in a chair next to me the morning after we prayed with no tumor. It spread like wildfire. It went through all the prison. And that's where I got my name, Rev. Because everybody decided that I was a reverend for whatever reason, and they started calling me Rev. And I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, how do I handle this? He said, just, just go with the flow. You're giving me the glory. Just go with the flow. That started a revival in the prison that shook the warden, that shook the inmates, that shook the guards. Everybody heard about Gordon. Gordon then started walking that very day to the chow hall, the cafeteria to eat, and would sit with us now, not by himself. He would sit at my table and he would tell anybody that wanted to, li to listen what had happened. And boy, there were a lot of people that wanted to know. It was such a miracle. And from that time until I left, miracles like that took place. All because they believed that it could happen to Gordon, they can happen to them. And so laying on of hands started then after that miraculous miracle with Gordon. And many, many miracles took place. The miracle where the fella up on the third floor in the hospice, part of the hospital, was in a coma, and they said there's no way he'll wake up. One of the guys on my ward that saw the miracle with Gordon said, I believe that if Rev can pray for him, he'll be healed. Now, people, I want you to know this. I don't receive any glory for this. I'm just a messenger. I'm just going to walk in faith. And when you tell me to lay hands on somebody, I'll lay hands on somebody. So as I went up to the third floor with permission from the nun, the sister, the Catholic nun, I had her usher me up on the third floor because now I had an usher because she loved the power of God's spirit that was being exercised through me. And as I went up on the third floor and I laid hands on that head of that comatose prisoners, that prisoner, that afternoon he woke up and was able to be paroled and went home, sharing the glory of God in the touch from Jesus. You've been listening to the I Heard It on the 806 podcast with John Bowers. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen.
To learn more about John Bowers, this podcast, and to find out how you can get a copy of his new book, I Heard It on the 806, go to IHeardItOnThe806.com. This has been an Avenue 153 production.